0: Hey, thank you for tuning in to The Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love Him deeply, and follow Him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. We've been in a sermon series called H2O, and it's all about hospitality and how God doesn't just want to, yes, not just the external hospitality, but God wants to do something inside of our hearts. So in that place, when we give hospitality, it's not because we have to, because, oh, God, you've done something in me. I can't help but to do it for you now. So that's not only our sermon series, but our vision for this year, a maturity marked by hospitality. And so um, I'm honored to be able to preach in this series. I'm giving a part two to Pastor Matt's part one from last week. No pressure, guys. I feel great. Feeling good. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Amy. (laughs) And so um, will you guys pray with me? Jesus, oh, Jesus, we are grateful for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. God, for your faithfulness, God, that even before we are born, Lord, you are a faithful God. So I pray, Lord, that as we dive into your word, Holy Spirit, we are saying Yes. Come right now, God. We're open. We're ready. Do what only you can do, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So part one was when Pastor Matt did the Serve Standard. If you're not familiar with the Serve Standard, you can watch the message from last week. But really quickly, um, Pastor Matt told a story when um, him and his family went to Disneyland. It's funny. Pastor Matt said, I think, last week that, you know, people don't go to Disneyland for the rides. They go for the experience. I'm like, oh, man. I love the rides. <laughs> I go for all the rides, man. Like I'm pumped. the experience and everything. But I'm like, if you ask me like, my my top twenty list, I will bore you with my top twenty list uh, of rides. There, okay? So don't do that. I will bore you. Um, but he 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 came home from that trip. It's actually the, the the night after where it's like, I love the hospitality that is at Disneyland, but the church should be leading the way in hospitality, not Disneyland, not the world, because. Who has been more hospitable to us than the Lord himself? And so from that, from the Good Samaritan story that we've been diving into, came the serve standard. So if you are on our serve team, if you're a small group leader, you're very familiar with the serve standard. Um, but I love it because it is a filter for us to create hospitable, Jesus-centered environments. So even if you're not on the team, um, it's giving be a blessing for you. You guys ready? Yeah. So last week we did the S and the E. And I'm going to do the R-V-E. Did I just rhyme? Let's go. All right. Thank you. All right. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Jesus replied, I'm having way too much fun today. Like, where's Christian? I was like, we're having too much fun today. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road, and he passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Remember, that word compassion, it wasn't just an emotional response, but literally the word mean that God was doing something inside of him or literally there was almost like this irritability, almost like, I got to do something right now. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. That's S, a safe and special environment. Then he put the man on his own donkey and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. He went the extra mile, which is the E. You know, being a parent of three, especially with a newborn right now, almost four months, my life is filled with knowing how many hours did my baby sleep. Like, you just know you're in that stage of life, you know, where it's like, oh, man, he slept five hours, or he slept two hours, right? That is just our world right now. And, um, you know, like, it's always funny, like, having a newborn, because people ask, like, hey, how's it going, you guys? And I want to pretend like I'm very much a part of it, and in it at night, you know. But like, I can only be so much of support, you know. And so, um, our oldest, Sailor. I remember. And you guys, if you're a first time parent, you understand. You don't know what you don't know. Like, like if, a ba- if like when our when Sailor started crying, oh my gosh, our baby's crying. <laughs> Babies cry. I don't know if you guys know that <laughs> for no reason sometimes. And so, our uh, Sailor was uh, not colic, but colicky. You know, we're literally there because I'm asking the question, like to Lauren, like, how can I best support you? And after literally hours and hours of crying, I'm like, I'll do my part. You know, so I, I would hold Selah. She's the cutest little thing. But you know, listen. After two hours, you're not cute anymore. You know, <laughs> holding you. Like, you're cute in the morning, but not right now. Like, go to sleep. You've got to be tired, right? And so, but thankfully, after I think was it month four, Lauren can correct me. I. I Got it all. I think it's month four, whatever. Um, we invested. I didn't know that they had sleep trainers for babies. Yeah. Well, we needed one, and within a week, the baby, like, Sailor was like down through the night within a week, and I was like, wow, that was definitely more of a parent user error than a than a baby error. Then comes a Laura, right? Woo, that girl. I love that girl. Um, it was a completely different experience. Literally after just I think a week. She was just, she's been sleeping ever since. <laughs> like, it's been the greatest thing. So, so we go with, which I am going somewhere, okay? This is more than our sleep journal diaries. I am going somewhere. Some of you guys are like, oh man, I should have came next week. I'm going somewhere. So we have Shepherd, right? My, our, our, our newest, or yeah, yeah, newest. <laughs> and so, um, that wasn't the right term, but okay. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm having too much fun today. This is good. But... Uh, percentage-wise, I'm worried. I'm like, wow. Selah figured it out. Lord figured it out. I'm like, oh, this is going to be disastrous with Shepard. I, I was just nervous, right? You know, and like um, we got it down pretty well until a couple weeks ago when he's, he's able to flip over now in bed, and so we had to restart everything. And so I'm like, Lauren, how am I going to encourage you? How can I help you? I can't just give her more sleep uh, magically. You know, it doesn't work that way. So I find myself, I'm like her biggest cheerleader right now. You got this, babe. He didn't sleep last night, but he's going to sleep tonight. We're going to pray. We're going to prophesy. I'm trying to give her vision, right? Because even the best things in life, even the things that we're honored to do, we can, we can lose vision for. Yeah. And And we know that because even the things that we desperately love, if we're not careful, it can be things that we just get into a ritual and a habit. So that's the R that I want to focus on is to remember your why. Like, if we just focus on the what, the details, we can miss the why. When I say the why, this is what I mean: it's the it's the motivation, it's the heartbeat. Like like like, if if you're married today, you didn't get married just to pay bills. You didn't get married just to live in a home. Oh, hopefully you didn't. <laughs> just to live with, in a home with somebody, right? No no no, I'm married to you because. I love you, and because I'm in covenant with you, I want to build a, a bit of life with you, I want to be able to expand God's heart with you, that the what is maybe the details, but the why is so much bigger than that. It's so much better. Even the greatest things that we have in our lives, if we're not careful, we can lose the heart behind it, the motivation behind it, and even the special things uh, in our lives, whether it be parenting, whether it be marriage, ministry, maybe it's... Um, hobbies or passion or dreams, even the best things in life, we we can lose our why. Something I know about us, I know for myself, is that we usually don't lose our why in just a night. No one's just like, oh, I had my why yesterday and it's completely gone. We all have a vision leak in our lives, meaning that if we're not watching where our why is, if we're not watching the motivation, then things can shift and we don't even know it. Uh, Proverbs says this. It speaks right into this. Where there's no revelation, where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. But happy is, is he who keeps the law. So what Proverbs is saying is, in this passage, is that when, when there is no vision, when we don't know what God is speaking, when we don't know what God is doing this moment, our default is, I got no self-control. I'm casting off Restraint. I, 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 uh, we, we know that's like, you know, when like, man, we finally did like a, a one good week of our new workout program. We're crushing it, right? We're, we're posting on social media. We're telling all of our friends. It's like, you know what? I'm going to eat, you know, whatever I want this next week. It's like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> You're casting off all restraint. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. Like, keep working out, but you got to keep eating healthy. Why? Because there's a why behind that. There's, there's vision behind that. And so it's just so easy for us to cast off. I think sometimes what happens is that when we are lacking vision or we're lacking something in our lives, we go straight to discipline. If I was just more disciplined with my time with God, if I was just more disciplined with spending more time with my kids, if I was just more disciplined with looking for a new job, which I, I'm not doubting that, you know, I think like having new rhythms, new systems is absolutely great we should be more of the how but i wonder how often sometimes we get so sidetracked and the things that we really want to desire it's not a discipline problem we've just lost vision we've lost our why and we know that sometimes because even the things that we love that would give us fresh breath and vision in life now feel so overwhelming and heavy you ever have this week? I'll, I'll, I'll say for all of us, because I, I, I experienced this when maybe you even have like a lighter week, not as many meetings, you know, not, your schedule isn't as crazy, but you still feel so distracted, so overwhelmed. It's like, man, what is that? Maybe you've lost vision. And so what, what's beautiful about vision is that we don't have to we don't have to conjure it up. God wants to give us our why. God wants to give us vision, and so, yes, add discipline to your life, but I wonder if there's a vision leak right now. And Mary and Martha, I think, is a great picture of this. Luke chapter 10, now it happened as they went that they entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her home, and she sat, and she had a sister named Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now, before we continue, we often, like, say, don't be Martha, be a Mary. Listen, let's give some love to Martha, okay? You're going to see her in heaven one day, and we're all going to have to probably repent to her for all the jokes we've made about her. But, you know, with Martha, listen, like, she welcomed him into her home. The heart, the intent, right? Like what she was going after, it was so beautiful. But we know what it's like too, right? Where we enter God into our home, where we enter God in our lives, but then it gets kind of a ray. And it does here, it says this, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. I think sometimes because we live in a culture that is so busy, it's easy to minimize how, um, how negative living a distracted life can be, where it's almost like, oh, I'm distracted. It's fine. I'll figure it out. Oh, I'm distracted. What's that quote that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy? And the reason why that's so bad is because if you're busy, you're not building. If you're, if you're distracted, then you'll miss your why at some point. If you're just activity activity and putting things together, then we're not actually looking towards the future and what God wants to build in in those spaces and so <laughs> it, you want to know how the enemy distracts you. is it through stress? is it through anxiety is it what what could is it social media that's a whole other message <laughs> is how does how does the enemy use distractions in our lives? So Mary, I'm sorry, Martha, was distracted. And she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. You hear the angst in her voice? You hear like the negativity? You hear like, Jesus, welcome into my home. Now, what are you, why are you just sitting there? Mary, Jesus, you feel The angst. you feel the underlying, maybe even like agitation and and anxiety? And and I think like it's such a great picture is that something that was supposed to be a joy to Martha now is feeling like an obligation. Now feels like, ooh, I have to do this. Well, if I'm going to do this, I'm not going to be the only one that does it. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And I love what Pastor Jackie said about how worship, it washes over us. It washes over how we think. And, and this is why being distracted, being distracted can be so negative for us, is that our attention drives our affections. As in like what we are paying attention, to, the things that we are letting our minds be consumed by, then our, that's what's going to make our heart run. And so when it says that Martha was distracted. Literally, the Greek word means that she was pulled to the other side. And so what seemed so great ended up being not so great. I love what my study Bible said is that Martha was a proper hostess, but Mary was a proper disciple. Meaning that, again, Martha, I just shot you down again. Sorry, but let me, I'm going to rework this. Um, So, The the, the heartbeat of Martha was right. I'm gonna host you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna like Jesus. I'm gonna like prepare a feast for you. I wanna serve you. But what started happening is because she lost her why, and because and because it became an obligation. It was less about her being a disciple. Now it's just about the task. Now I'm just a servant. And if we're not careful, we can lose our whys in those environments. So I, I, I would say it this way. When you lose your why, you lose your way. When you lose your why, you lose your way. And I think a good filter for this is asking this question, is that what brought me joy now feels like an obligation. There, there might be some areas like in our, in, our, in our walk with the Lord where it's like, and this is kind of no, when you're like, you're kind of churching it up, you know, where it's like, I love the Lord, but have you lost your why? All right, is, is, is there a vision leak there? Sometimes we can feel this way towards the Lord. We can feel this way towards our spouse, towards friends. And so what brought joy now is an obligation. But I love Jesus' response to, to Martha. He doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't say, you know, Martha, don't talk to me this way. So he says, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all of these details, but there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Oh, I love that. Like, it's like, Martha, Martha, you are worried about so much. But Mary, she caught it. She gets it. And I love that word discovered. It can feel mystical but it's not. The the word literally means that she chose the right thing. As in, in in, in the distractions and the things that uh, Martha, uh, I'm sorry, Mary was experiencing, she still chose Jesus. And I love this aspect where, and it will not be taken away from her. What does that mean? Like, what's not going to be taken away? I think when we think about spending time with the Lord, we do think of time. So, Sometimes I'll ask people, hey, how are you in the Lord? How's your intimacy? We typically go to time. I spent a whole lot of time with the Lord this week. Or it's like, I didn't spend any time with the Lord. <laughs> like, which, again, time is quality. So we're not saying not spend time with the Lord. But I think what's powerful about this passage is that it wasn't just the time that Mary had with the Lord, but the posture of her heart. She was abiding. Like, Lord, here I am. Make your home. And that's and that's not gonna be taken away. Because she's connected to him. You know, we 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 tell our team this, and it's a standard of ours, is that we want you to sit one and serve one. So the son that you serve, sit in a service and also serve. But here's the reality. Even when you're serving, you're still sitting. As in, like, you're still resting with the Lord. It's not like, hey, Lord, I'll meet you here for a service. I'm going to call aside and greet second service. I'll see you at lunchtime. No. So we're like, well, we're like yeah, actually, that does happen. But no, it's like, no, no. If I'm sitting if I'm serving, I'm always abiding with the Lord. And that will not be taken away. So, again, we don't know what happens after this story. But can I just hypothetically say that Mary got her from the feet of Jesus. She probably helped out Martha, cleaned some dishes. She probably, you know, like kind of put together, you know, some some of the couches in, in, in the house. But she did it from a place of rest and joy and with peace of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what I would say is that when the gospel is our ultimate why, our hospitality will come from an overflow, not from obligation if we are if 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 our why if we're struggling if it just feels like an obligation we got to relook at our why and we got to get our why back and here's what's beautiful about our why is that we don't have to wait for it to come back we get to choose it we get to remember it. remembering is a spiritual discipline you see this all through the scriptures where god told israel remember what we did, remember what i did in egypt when you were, when you were far away, when you were stuck in Egypt, I rescued you. Remember those moments. So maybe you're in this room today, you're like, or, or even online, like, how do I remember my why? Remember the moment God saved you. I, 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 I was reminding myself today, like, Chris, like, you were so far from the Lord. Like, like, you were filled with rejection. You are filled with shame. You filled your life with so many things. You actually walked away from the Lord in your high school years, not because you didn't love the Lord, because you felt like that you couldn't do what the Lord wanted you to do. So you just walked away. But God is so gracious, so kind that he saved me. He gave me a purpose and a calling. And I get to remind myself of that. So if I'm going to say we have to remind ourselves of our salvation, we got to remind ourselves of, of, of prophetic moments that God has given us, maybe even mountaintop experiences where God met you when you driving, met you at this altar. Maybe he just met you in those random places, but it marked you. It did something beautiful. You've got to remind yourself of those moments. Think of what Peter told, I'm sorry, uh, Paul told his spiritual son Timothy, that There has been a spiritual gift that has been deposited inside of you. You need to fan the flame of God inside of you. I can't fan it. Your neighbor can't fan it. You've got to fan it. Even, take David, for example. His whole army, his whole land was ransacked by by the Amalekites. Even his own men were starting to turn on him. It would have been so easy for David to get discouraged. But the scripture said he encouraged himself in the Lord. So when we say remember your why, you guys like movies? I love movies. I didn't give you guys a chance to answer, but I'm like, I love movies. And 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 I love them because I just love that final climatic moment when the hero overcomes that one scene, and it's like, wow, this is why we're watching, you get the feels, the emotions. Sometimes what prevents us from getting that why is that we're waiting for these surge of emotions to come. Can I tell you remembering your why? Isn't about getting your emotions back? It, it could, maybe, but it's more about remind yourself to receive the gospel, to remember the gospel, to retrust in the gospel, that you're not saved by your own works. You're saved by his grace. And when that penetrates your heart, you might get some emotions, you might all of that, but it's like, no, no, no. I just know that I know that I know that I know that he loves me. So we, we got to remember our why. You guys, you guys with me this morning? Remember our why? And then next, so he's been bandaged up now. His wounds have been uh, soothed. Um, he's been, you know, taken to this modern day hospital or a hotel, I should say. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Do you ever read scriptures? You're like, I'm I'm, I'm passing that one. Are you, guys, are you guys reading this with me? Like, if his bill runs higher than this, like, wow, okay. You know, I think that, like, there's there's two people, kinds of people in this world. You know, like, when you're at a restaurant, you know, and a buddy or a friend says, hey, it's on me. Get whatever you want. And one person's like, no, oh, I mean, you know, I'll uh, get a salad or... Go appetizer. And then there's the other person. Me. Me. Woo! Let's go! Like, what what are we getting tonight? Dessert? I love dessert. Do you want dessert? Let's do it. I ain't sharing, though. I love dessert. Like, let's let's figure this out. It's funny. Like, Lauren, like, she's the first one. I don't want to be a blessing. I don't want to be a bird. I'm like, I want to be a blessing, but I will receive blessings. Like, I do not discriminate with blessings. And... This is like what this passage is trying to get the heart of where it's like, wow, hospitality. I will pay the cost. Like whatever it looks like, I will, and this is the V, I will value every person. Whatever that looks like. So when we value other people, we value them because they're worth, but also there's a cost for us. I don't, at least I don't think I have to convince any of us in this room or online that it's good to value people but yet sometimes it's still so hard. Why is it hard to value people sometimes? I think that when we, we talked about this last week, that there's some external cost where it will take some, us to get uncomfortable. There might be some inconveniences. There might be like, ooh, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little too busy. It's uncomfortable. I'm not sure what this is going to take me. But I think sometimes we also we also have those internal costs inside of us. Like if we're being honest with ourselves, there's times where there's someone on laying on the ground that's hurting, and it's like, I don't know if I want to help them because I don't know if I like them. I don't know if I wanna help them. You know sometimes when you're judging somebody, but it's because you're judging yourself for that same thing. I know what that's like. Ooh, it's ugly. It's disgusting, actually. I do it. We've we, we all done it before where it's like, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know about that person. I just don't like how they flow. I don't like, like, how they move around. It's like, oh, I do the same thing. That's why I don't like it. It's like that thing reminds me of what God's trying to heal me of, and I just, I don't like it. So sometimes we don't pay the internal cost because it costs too much to look at that in ourselves, so then we bypass them, but we're also bypassing our own healing in Jesus, And so valuing every person, there's a cost. See, listen, hospitality, again, it's not just like us doing external things. God needs to do something inside of us too. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us this, is that so we've stopped valuing others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ from a merely a point of view. How differently than we know him now. So the context is, is that, man, we are ambassadors of God's kingdom. One man die, so all will be saved. And because of that, I am an ambassador. The old is gone, and what? The new has come. Part of the new coming into our lives is that because I see Christ differently, now I see people differently. And I don't evaluate them. When it says a human point of view, it's saying from a fleshly point of view, from a worldly point of view. See, in the kingdom, we don't deserve anything. In the kingdom, we're bankrupt. Like, the, the, the way that you get in the kingdom isn't that you have something to offer, but you realize you got nothing to offer. But when it comes to the world, it's like, man, what do you have to offer? Influence? Looks? Like, like money? Like, what, what do you have to give to get in? Paul is saying, ooh, that's, we don't do that anymore. Because we used to think of Christ that way, but the old is gone, the new has come. We evaluate things by the cross. And you know what I love about the cross is that at the, cross, at the foot of the cross, it's all level ground. All of sin, all have fallen short, and by the grace of God, we get to be at his feet. Paul, in Galatians 6, goes a little further. He says this, Dear brothers and sisters, if any, I'm sorry, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. So you have a brother or sister that is struggling, and Paul tells us that we should do that gently. A great word for that gentleness is the word meekness. Meekness is... It's I'm strong, but I'm not going to abuse you with it. I'm strong, but I'm going to harness it because it's not for my own um, good, but I want to use it for your good. So when someone's hurting, when someone's not in a good place, what Paul was saying is those who are meek, those that are strong, use it to their benefit and also do it humbly. As in like when you help somebody out, don't do it pridefully. Pridefully would be like, "Ooh, sorry you're in that ditch." I wouldn't be in that ditch, but sorry, sorry you're in that ditch. Or, or maybe it's like, "Oh, yeah, I've been there, done that. I know what that's like. That's tough. That's hard." And so, what what, what, what starts to happen is is that because we're not valuing every person and we're we we're we're, we're we're devaluing them. We're also devaluing ourselves in that same moment. I would I would say this was that pride devalues others. Pride devalues others because I have to be above you. I can't help you, and that means that I have to I have to devalue you. You know, um, my wife and I uh, we lead our one of our marriage equipped groups, and if you're part of our group, you know the ongoing joke that. Um, you know, Lauren, you know, she's not part of it right now because you know, sleep training, a lot of sleep training jokes today. Let's go. This <laughs> is my life right now, so you're welcome. And um, so like I'm leading a marriage group, but without my sp- spouse in the room, so it's kind of funny. And um, I always tell them, guys, I promise everything's good. We're great. Don't worry about us. <laughs> and but but the series It's called having an emotionally healthy marriage. Now, what I'm going to show you right now, it's going to apply to whether you're married or not. Um, it's, It's just good. But what the author, the pastor, was talking about is that, you know, usually when we think about compatibility, we think that we're attracted to those that are like us, but we're actually attracted to our opposites. And it's actually the sovereignty of God. Because what you think that you need and want, you actually need something else. And, and, and vice versa, your spouse, they think they know and need wants it, but they actually need something else as well. So God in his sovereignty knows this and puts them together. But, here, but, here, but here's the fun part, is that you want to understand why God has put those two people together. What's the purpose? Obviously for the glory of God, obviously to express his heart to the world, but why did God specifically put Chris and Lauren together? And what's so beautiful is that marriage is supposed to uh, help heal you in your healing journey. Now, your spouse isn't your healer, but what he's saying is that through marriage and through your spouse, you can experience healing in Christ. But here's the problem, is that we bring wounds into these spaces We bring sin into these spaces. We bring sinful patterns. So if we don't know why God brought us together, what happens is wounds will rub up against wounds. Hurt will rub up against hurt. And so when God meant a couple to celebrate your differences, at best, you'll tolerate one another. At worst, you'll reject one another. And so do you see like the power of that picture is that because the reason why we don't value one another is because we don't know what God's trying to do right now. We assume, we cast judgments, and it's like, ah, they're that way because of this. It's like, no, 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 you don't understand what's happening. And I think that same thing can happen in our, in our relationship, like even just with one another, is that we don't value one another because of our assumptions that we've made man, the reason why you're this way is because of this. Or you don't, you act this way because of this. And it's like, instead we should ask the question, God, what are you trying to do right now? God, like, where are they on their healing, on their healing journey? So if we're going to value every person, we got to lay down our pride. we got to lay down our own preference and say, God, what do you want to do? Okay? And then lastly is efficiency in everything. Some of the ATOPs are like, oh, finally, we're moving on from the relational stuff. Where's the spreadsheet? Where's the data? You know, sorry, I'm not going there with this one. Um, Yes, when it comes to efficiency, we absolutely want to like be efficient with all things. Um, But in this passage, remember Jesus, the way he closes this is this. Where he tells the ruler, uh, the the young man, uh, I'm sorry, the, the young teacher, he told him, You know, out of these three people, who showed mercy? And the young man said, well, the Samaritan did. Yes, go and do likewise. And so really what Jesus is saying is that if we're going to live efficient lives, we're going to go and do likewise. So a lack of efficiency is this, wasting away previous resources and energy. So meaning that if we were to just do what Jesus said um, for us to do, we would stop wasting things. As in like, when we think about efficiency, we're not, I don't just mean logistically, but we are lacking spiritual efficiency, emotional efficiency, because we're not going and doing likewise. I wonder for some of us, if there's a deficiency right now because there's a conversation we need to have but we've just been putting it off. Or maybe it's like, ooh, I know what this person, like it's kind of dicey, but I'm not sure. I should go talk to them, but talk to them means I have to get over myself. I don't know if I want to get over myself. And we're wasting time. We're wasting relational resources. I would say it this way is that we live inefficiently when we put ourselves first before Jesus. So really being efficient in everything isn't like, I'm just doubting, I'm dialed in, but it's getting yourself out of the way so God can do something new. You know, in, um, gosh, late 2020, maybe early 2021, feels like a blur, huh? But I'm gonna go there really quickly. You know, like we were just trying to figure out like, man, like, yes, things are crazy. Things are locking down, but how do we keep reaching people? How do we keep serving people? And so we had the crazy idea. Maybe if you weren't here yet, you wouldn't know this. But we ran multiple services. We would, we, we'd run an inside service and an outside service on the same day. And people say, it's almost like there's two churches. I'm like, absolutely. It felt like it was like two different churches that we were running. And on the outside, it looks so inefficient probably. Just pick one. Like, there's like there's so much stuff that's going, but, but but can I tell you, what wasn't inefficient was when our production team got here at 5 a.m., when our setup team got here at 5:30, when 20, 30, maybe 40 of us would commit every week of being here. You know what wasn't inefficient was us laying out our own preferences and seeing God move. What was what was not inefficient was the 40 of us that would get here, how many probably more than that, that would get here at that time and seeing the connections being made. We're in this. We got this. God's going to move. Like we're ready for whatever this looks like. We're going to move it forward. Outwardly, that looks so inefficient because we would set up 200 chairs out there, 200 chairs in here, 20 tents out there, clean up here, but what seemed so inefficient was so actually efficient because God was working and moving. So what, have been in, what would have been inefficient is, just, no, you know, like we're just going to do our own thing. No, what happened was we got out of our own way. And so if we want to live an efficient life in Jesus, we've got to gotta put ourselves to the side. Say, God, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do in the people around me? And I'm not going to put myself first. I'm, I'm going to put you first and let you move. And so maybe you need maybe you need your why back again today. Can I encourage you, challenge you? Look at the cross. L- look at Jesus today. Look at what he's done for you. Like, look at what he's spoken to you. Remind yourself in the Lord what he's done. Let vision overflow. Maybe for some of us, the Lord brought a, a person or an environment into your mind and you haven't been valuing them. You've been kind of just pushing them to the side. Maybe you've been avoiding them and pretend like they're not there. Pay the price of getting over your pride because pride is costing you more than you think. Pay the price of getting over your pride and let God work in that relationship. And then efficient lives. Again, not efficiency in the sake of like, I just need to get things done in one way. No, no, no. How can we be efficient and not waste relational resources that God has called us to steward? Amen. Can we pray? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, God. Lord, thank you, God, that you are the ultimate servant. God, that we give hospitality from a place, God, of how you've served us. So I pray, Holy Spirit, for a fresh wind. God, I pray, God, for fresh encouragement. God, God I, I pray for a fresh why, Lord, over every single person right now. The God that where dead things, God, will come back alive. God, that stale things, God, there will be movement again, God. Lord, where ears and eyes haven't been able to see and hear, God, let them hear in Jesus' name. God, I pray, Lord, for apathetic hearts right now. It is only the gospel and the Holy Spirit that can bring dead things alive. So I pray, God, that, Lord, that you would bring a newness and a freshness, God. Lord, I pray that we would um, take this message, this heart, God, of hospitality, and God, we would take it to heart. God, that it wouldn't just be something that we would do and perform. God, that it wouldn't be an obligation. But God, do something so fresh through us, God, that, Lord, that there would be an overflow, God, in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you again for tuning in to The Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love Him deeply, and follow Him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.